sprayer is like hard-giving you a machete, and you kind of going in. And the reason I say machete, not because prayer isn't powerful. Prayer is one of the most powerful things. But it's because we send in teams, and Jesus doesn't want us in his prayer. He actually wants us. I've been, it started off with two guys, started then three, then four. I was the fourth one to come in, but I don't play an instrument, so I was going to help. When you come in, it just feels like you have this machete. Painting away, it's slow, it's hard, and and you're seeing clearing, but it's kind of slow. But the beauty is that sometimes you press through, and instead of a machete, you kind of look at it with your hand, and what's better than a machete? Clear field. Bulldozer. Yeah, like all of us, no joke, like all of a sudden, you're in that prayer room singing 10,000 reasons for the 10,000th time, because that's all we know, and all of a sudden, there's like a bulldozer in front of you, and you see God just move something incredible, um, and, and we've seen incredible things, not every day, you know, but like, for example, we have uh, the person that hosts our prayer meetings, it's an events company, he's a business owner, and we were able to host Hillsong in the Middle East. You know, we had been praying for almost a year and a half, like praying for this man, this company of 10 people. Like Hillsong's a giant, you know, everyone knows Hillsong. A, an events company of 10 people in the Middle East hosted Hillsong. How many people were there? 12,000 people, open air worship in the Middle East. It was incredible. It was one of those bulldozer moments, you know, where we had been talking away with a machete in this jungle, you know. But God just opened up a door. And so that's one of the incredible things of doing prayer missions, is that you're not just going out there alone. You're going out there with something that God's doing. Just to share from, like, the evangelism side, um, uh, evangelism without prayer is like having a gun that shoots blanks. You have to have both. We know that from firsthand experience that you have to have both. So we are currently serving in a region where the original local people group, there's less than 50 known believers among their entire people group. And that's like maybe, because if they were to tell you if they're a believer, they could get in big trouble with the government and with their family, extreme persecution. And so for the last 1,300 years, there have been zero movements to God in this, uh, among this region of the earth, but within the last 10 years, there have been over 130 church planning movements in this region alone, in the Muslim on, world. And we actually had the honor of one of these local people joining us in a prayer meeting. Somehow he heard of our prayer meeting. He's only been a believer for four months. He comes and joins us for prayer. He's never seen a Bible in his life, let alone hold one in his hand. And it, it was just a beautiful moment. And I got to talk to him later. I was like, how did you become a Christian? And he was like, well, when I grew up, I was happy when America was attacked in 9-11. I was happy because I hated Christians. We were told to hate Christians. And he was like, but a year ago, I started doubting Islam. I started doubting Muhammad. I did the research. And I actually left the faith a year ago but kept going to the mosque because I didn't want my family to know. He's like, Eventually, I looked up the internet, found the book of John, read it, and immediately believed in Jesus. God led him to God without someone needing to preach. And we take credit for that, you know, just like it's a personal win for us because we've been praying for this stuff for the last year and a half. He says a year ago, that's when he started encountering God, 
was right when we got there, started praying, that's when he started encountering God. So prayer and worship have to go hand in hand with, with evangelism. I wish I could share more, we don't have enough time. Yeah, that's awesome, bro. Thanks, thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Barbara. So I wanted to ask you guys, uh, just real brief, what would you tell someone that has a heart for missions and, and why would they need to give themselves to it? Yeah, I'm going to speak practically first, and then I'm going to hand the microphone to Barbara, and she's going to make you all cry. So, <laughs> so practically speaking, there's a lot of people who at one time feel a call to missions, but then many of them don't ever go. There's many young people in their 20s who will eventually reach their 30s, and they find themselves still in America with a mortgage, with debt, with, I mean, God bless families, you know, but with kids, and it's just too difficult to go. Whereas, what if they felt the call on God to go in their 20s, and then they actually went? And then, while they're overseas, they started their life, got married, had kids, you know? Because I have many friends who are still in America today that at one time wanted to go. And so just from my personal experience, I got a degree in chemical engineering. I came out of school. I could have had like a triple, triple six-figure six salary figures. from the start. And a lot I, was, of zeros. I was conflicted. I was like, Lord, I could serve <laughs> you one day on the mission field, have an awesome job there, give, give millions to the kingdom over, over the span of my life. But instead, I went. And I tell you, if I had stayed in America and stuck with work, I would not be going. There's too many good reasons to stay. So from a practical point of view, give your youth to God. I mean, it's such a beautiful thing to be able to stay up till 3 in the morning preaching to the gospel to unreached people groups. Because you can. Because you have the energy to do it and the time to do it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm going to cry, so I'll just warn people already. Like, it's going to be awkward and I'm going to cry. So just get my Sorry, I, every time, y'all, the students know. I was, like, snotting the other day in the trailer. Like, it was weird. Um, <laughs> no, but I was, I was praying for y'all. Kevin and I went to the side room, and we were just lifting y'all up. Just, this is holy to me, and this is, I have the fear of God speaking to y'all. Because y'all are sitting down, you have to listen to me. <laughs> you know, you could leave, but I have your attention, and that's holy to me. You know, I don't want to talk about me. I don't want to talk about how awesome I am, like, sometimes not <laughs> but no I wanted to share you know like Amy Carmichael says I- I'm not a seasoned missionary I'm not a veteran I've only done like a, hundred, like a one a year and a half and I'm a child but you know I would never I never want to be a person who tries to convince y'all to be missionaries or convince you to go on the field I feel like if you have to be a person that has to be convinced actually don't want you to go if you have to be a person that <laughs> if you have to be a person that has to be begged on the field I actually ask you please don't come like please stay that's not what people need and Amy Carmichael said that she said no matter how desperate the need gets no matter how 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 much desperation and, and death I see without the gospel I will never beg people to go you know <laughs> that Muslim young girl who, who is in, covered in darkness right now, who has no clue what she's worth, 
converted by a religion, they don't need awesome, educated, really cool, looking for an experienced super Christian. They don't need that. Do you know what? <laughs> do you know what they need? They need weak, broken, silly, goofy people who love Jesus and who cannot be convinced otherwise. Um, but I just want to end with this story. Um, I'm shaking because I get inspired again. I'm like, I want to sign up again. But I, I, um, I told this story in the Middle East during a prayer meeting, and half the people didn't understand what I was saying. But it's so powerful. It's a story about Hudson Taylor. If you don't know who he is, Google him right now. But Hudson Taylor was the first missionary to England gave his life so that a people group who hated him would know Jesus. And there's a story of him going and preaching the gospel to this young man, and the young man receives Jesus, and he's so excited, he's so happy. Hudson Taylor's a young missionary. He's like, yes, a soul! Like, yeah, come on! But this young man looks at him, and he says, you know, how long have you guys had this good news? How long have you guys had this, this amazing good news of a Savior? Like, for hundreds of years. And this young man looks at this young missionary. And in a moment that's supposed to be awesome and epic newsletter worthy, Facebook worthy, this, this young man looks at him and says, in a real way, real way, my father lived and died and never heard this. Where were you? Beloved, I just pray. My prayer, my prayer this last year and a half, my prayer now, my prayer when I go back, my prayer when I give my life to a people group that hates me, is that at the end of all things, when I see Jesus, when I'm on the vehicle of fast, I don't have a people group looking at me, asking me where I was. And I pray that for you as well. Yeah, give these guys a round of applause. Thanks, guys. So I just wanted to, with that, but I'm just feeling stirred. If any of that is stirring you right now, I actually want to make a call to you that if at some point you would say, I want to give myself to, mission, to the mission field for at least a, of a commitment of at least two years, I just, wanna, I just want you to stand right now. Like, if you feel like in your heart there's a stirring that you would give yourself to at least two years of the mission field, you would stand and we'd pray for you. I want to pray for you right now. Yeah, you task guys too, if you guys want to stand as well. Yeah, these are our students right now that are in the task school of Frontier Missions. And, uh, yeah, let's just pray. All you guys, like, extend your hands to the ones that are standing. Because uh, you're probably going to be the ones that are going to be praying for them when they're on the field. So yeah, Lord, I just thank you right now, Jesus. You see the obedience right now in the, in the one standing before you, before me, that before their friends and witnesses. I ask, Lord, that this would be the beginning steps of a heart of obedience that would give themselves to the mission field at least two years, to a place where there is no gospel among unreached people groups, that they would give you praise 
worship and prayer. And that they would turn that and bring it to the people that are lost and without hope. In the name of Jesus, I pray that after this time, that you would begin to orchestrate the steps for them, that there would begin to be actions taken for them to actually do it, Lord. Let them not stand in this moment and not actually do it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Yeah, thanks, guys. And again, um, I have more information for y'all in the back booth. I'll be, uh, we have a task booth in the back. I have some sign-up sheets over there. Uh, just like to get to know you a little bit better. And uh, I'm just going to pass the mic to my friend, Hayden. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara and Kevin. Let's give it up for them one more time. I love these guys. We're so grateful to know people like them. Um, they're handing out notes right now. And these notes are more for reference. Um, I'm only going to share very briefly so we can have more time for ministry tonight. And I know that we've been in a series on revival, correct? We've been learning about revival and we're getting ready to go into a season of breakthrough intercession. It's a joy to be back here at Four Runner Church. I've been missing being with you all on Thursday nights when my son Elisha Samuel was born. I took a little break from being with y'all so I could have one more night at home with my family, um, but it's, it's awesome to be here tonight with y'all. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I was praying today, and I feel an unusual level of unction uh, that sometimes makes me come across a little serious. So I don't have a lot of jokes right now for you guys. Everybody's laughing because everybody knows. They're like, yeah, you are looking a little intense. And so... I'm feeling a little intense, and, um, and so if you guys would just give me permission to express uh, the sense that I have from the Holy Spirit of the Word that I have for you guys. I just want to make a book recommendation to you all. I feel like this, is, this book is the Word of the Lord right now. My dear friend uh, Caleb gave this to me this week, and it's a first edition copy of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody is one of America's greatest evangelists, and the book is called Secret Power, and it's all about how the power of the Holy Spirit changes the life of the believer, and so I was reading this book. And it inspired some of what I'm going to share with you guys tonight. You can probably pick it up on Kindle pretty easily, or you can you can order a, a copy online. But Secret Power, I just want to refer that to you guys. Does everybody have a copy of notes? Okay, awesome. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, I honor you in this house. And I say you are the one true and living God. Lord, and I declare the necessity of encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit over each and every person in this room. We cannot live a Christianity that is complete apart from your presence in our lives, Holy Spirit. And so I ask tonight, God, that you would bring a wounding to people's hearts, that they would be completely dissatisfied with living a life of business as usual. Lord, living in temporal comfort, devoid of the power and the presence of God. I ask that you would restore a vision for apostolic power. Lord, the, the power of the first century church, that power that has been enjoyed in revival movements throughout the, the generations, Lord. And I pray, Father, we wouldn't just be those that read the stories of those that have gone before us, Lord, but we would have a movement of our own, Lord, and that it would be in this generation and in this house, Father, that faith would begin to be imparted even tonight, God. For as we enter into a breakthrough fast, Father, for what it could look like if a visitation of the Holy Spirit came to Atlanta, Georgia, and came to 1625 Collins Hill Road, to Forerunner Church on Thursday nights, what it would mean for the presence of God to fill this house and fill the lives of the people in this room. Lord, I pray, give us a vision. Give us a vision born of revelation. Give us a, a manifestation of your presence even tonight as a down payment. 
God, I believe you are coming with another wave of revival to America. I believe there is another great awakening coming, Lord. I thank you for that in advance, but I ask you for tokens of your presence. I ask you for the fire of the Holy Spirit. I ask you for the conviction of your, of your word, Lord. I pray, Father, that your word would be like a hammer that shatters the rock. Your word would be like a fire that consumes everything within us that is not of you. Oh, blessed Holy Spirit, would you come in this place tonight, God? Would you grip us with a spirit of intercession unto outpouring? Lord, I, I speak awakening to the spirits of those in this room. And Father, every place that they would slumber, Lord, under depression and saturation in ungodly media and lust and perversion, I speak a breaking off of those things in Jesus' name and a fresh infilling with the spirit that is holy. I declare each and every one that calls upon the name of Jesus a temple of the Holy Spirit. Not to be joined with idolatry. And I ask God you would consecrate temples afresh and you would fill them afresh tonight. In Jesus name. Amen. Again, I'm not really going to teach to you. I'm just going to exhort you. I'm just going to preach to you. So give me a, a little bit of, of grace in that. And I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever said this to you, James. But you can actually turn me down a little bit if you want to. Because I'm going to blow everybody's ears out if I keep going. All right, so Exodus 40, 32. There's three verses that I have here. And it's just about God's desire to fill, okay? And I was studying in the Word, God's desire to fill. And there was a tabernacle that was established by Moses according to the heavenly blueprint. And God gave him these specific instructions how to build a place for God to be worshipped. And it's amazing. They put all the pieces in place. They erect the temple. They erect the tent. Excuse me, it was the tent of meeting. And they put an altar in it, and it says the priests washed in Exodus 40. It says they washed, and then they came into the presence of the Lord. And just that phrase was striking me as I was reading this. The priests washed. They made themselves clean, and then they came into the presence. And when they came into the presence, ready to worship, God's Spirit filled that tent of meeting. So much so that the glory of the Lord, it says, filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to even enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So what I want you to see is that from the very beginning that God decided I'm going to establish a place of worship in the earth from that very first incident of him establishing a place of worship, he immediately established that place and then he filled that place. We're a house of 24-7 worship and prayer, are we not? We are a place that is consecrated to the worship of the one true and living God. And his intention when he establishes a place of worship is not to leave that place vacant, but instead when there is sincere worship from clean hands and a pure heart, God will immediately come and fill. And so what is the absence of the presence of God? It's a testimony to the uncleanness of the place where God would desire to have it. So my question to you, and I'll ask it several times tonight, is have you prepared yourself... And there's a degree to which God comes and he does dwell in us because we are justified by the blood of Jesus, right? And I don't mean to get ahead of myself, but there is a degree to which that our spirit man is made new, but has your soul been renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit? Yes, you've been born again, but is your mind transformed and are your thoughts dwelling upon God? Yes, he's, he's made you born again unto a living hope of salvation, but has he consecrated your lips and your hands and your feet? Have you given everything to Jesus? 
Because if there's an absence of his presence in his life, it's perhaps, just perhaps it's because you haven't yet surrendered that place to him fully. Because every place, truly beloved, every place that is fully surrendered will be filled. Every place that is fully consecrated will be set on fire. So if you're not consumed, is there perhaps something you're withholding from him? Second Chronicles 5.11 Solomon establishes another place to worship. This time it's a temple. It came to pass, the priests came to the most holy place. And the priests who were present, they sanctified themselves. And the Levites who were the singers, all those Asaph and Haman and Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, harps. And there were 120 priests. Isn't that cool that when God's glory first filled the temple, there was 120 priests. When he came at Pentecost, it says that there were 120 in the upper room. Beloved, that's not a coincidence. That's prophetic poetry. 120 lift up their voices with trumpets, it says. And when the trumpeters and the singers were as one, just as they were one accord in the upper room, when they were as one to make a sound, a sound to be heard in praising. Oh, beloved, if we were to truly come into a place of unity and lift our voices with a sound of praise, sanctified, thanking the Lord, lifting up our voices and instruments and music, praising the Lord, we say, for He is good, He is good, and His mercy endures forever. That was their song. It's an awesome song. We still sing it sometimes today. The house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud. The glory of the Lord filled the house of God. So again, we see the same pattern. A sanctified people in one accord. A place of worship prepared. And when people prepare a place of worship for God that is consecrated to Him, He comes and fills. He comes and He fills every time. In Acts chapter 2, this is our New Testament example. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, it says they were all in, again, one accord. Unity of heart and mind. Suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And I love this, guys, this shift, right? It wasn't uncommon for God to fill places. He filled the tabernacle of meeting, did he not? We see it right there in the Word. He filled a whole temple building with his manifest presence. But in this case, he fills not just an upper room where they're praying, but he fills the very ones who are praying to him. Something shifted, beloved. The blood of the Lamb had been sacrificed. Jesus had come and died on the cross. Descended into hell. Risen from the dead. And then ascended into heaven. John the Baptist, when he first sees Jesus along the Jordan River, he looks at him and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he prophesies concerning Jesus' sacrificial atonement. And then he gives another prophecy. And he says, I came to baptize you in water. But this one who's coming after me, he'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Do you know when Jesus fulfilled that prophecy of John? It wasn't until he was ascended at the right hand of Almighty God. And from that place, John 7, 37, it says that the Holy Spirit was not yet poured out because Jesus was not yet glorified. But once Jesus was glorified at the right hand of God, he poured out the Holy Spirit. And that is what Peter says on the very day of Pentecost. He says, this one has now poured out that which you see and hear today. Jesus Christ, resurrected, ascended on high, has baptized with the Holy Spirit. And 
the Spirit of God doesn't just fill meeting places anymore. He fills worshipers. John chapter 4, the Father is searching for something. Jesus speaks this to the Samaritan woman. You know what her question is, where should we worship? She says, our ancestors say worship on this mountain. The Jews say to worship in the temple. Jesus, I can see you're a prophet of God because Jesus had just told her, 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 exposed her very sins, said that to the woman at the, the well, he said, you know, you're with, uh, you've had seven husbands and the man you're with right now is not your husband. And she goes, I perceive you're a prophet. And so she goes, guys, I've got a theological question for you. Where am I supposed to worship? And Jesus, there's, there's a time coming and it now is. We're on the cusp of a great transition is what Jesus describes to us. And he looks at this woman and says, the hour has come which the Father is searching for those who worship in spirit and in truth. Sanctified, given over, in one accord, yielded vessels who surrender all. And when they surrender all and empty themselves of the things of the world, they might be filled with the things of heaven. Where is that generation, beloved? Where is that volunteer army for the day of his power? I believe they could be in this room. I do. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to give you a vision for your life. That your life wouldn't be occupied with trivial things. What you eat, what you drink, what your house is like, the car you drive, the job you have. Beloved, those things are all just fine. But the Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all the things that you need will be added unto you. But most of what they tell you as a young adult in your position is worry about your job, worry about your education, worry about your paycheck because that's what really matters. And that's what most of America will tell you, even religious America. But the word of God tells us something entirely different. Live your life that you might be filled with a presence from on high. And if you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, Meals multiply, gold shows up in fish's mouth, favor comes upon your life, and circumstances that were otherwise impossible, oceans that you come to part when you put your rod in the water, right? Situations where there is no deliverance, there is no escape, miraculous deliverance and comes. Disease and sickness yields to the power of this man's name. And my question is, the chief pursuit of your life going to be all those trivial things that you're going to occupy yourself? Or is there a greater glory, a greater manifestation, a greater power with which you can be filled? And if the word of God is true, and there's something greater for you to touch and taste, my challenge to you is, beloved, whatever it takes, pursue that. Pursue that. I'm about to be uh, 33 years old. Glory to God. It's the age at which... Jesus died. He didn't make it to age 32. I'm hoping. I'm like, Lord, make me like my master, but not, not too much. And, you know, as you get older, it's like it's easy to be zealous when you're 20 and you don't have a wife or any kids or any debt. And you're just out of college and you can just go for Jesus, go hard and do, you know, fasting and prayer and worship and missions. But then you add, you know, I have Three children right now in diapers, glory to God. It's like I'm learning how to serve, how to love Jesus and serve by changing those poopy diapers in the middle of the night. My job is, we have a crying, we have a 10-week-old baby, and my job is when, when it's time to feed him, i got to get up in the middle of the night like a, like, a, um, like a zombie and wander over to his thing, get him out, so that get, put him into bed so he can have his, his midnight snack. I wish I could live such a life. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, there's a lot of things that come up in life, is my point, in, in that little, and I'm just giving you some examples of the things that come in my life. You wake up in the morning, you're tired, sleepy, 
But the question is, the question of my life, the fight that I'm in, is I'm, am I going to, it's not, am I going to get a better paycheck? That's not what I'm living for. It's not even, how can I improve the circumstances of my family? Because that's not what I'm living for. It's not, how can I get a better car? Though I believe God provides such things, the chief pursuit of my life is how in the midst of, of ministry and faithfulness to family, how can I pursue and get more of God on the inside? And I'm, I'm thankful to God. That though I'm 10 years, over 10 years in the prayer movement, my vision has not waned. My life circumstances have changed, but my vision has not waned. I'm believing as much now as ever for a breakthrough of God in our nation. And I'm believing as, now as much, as much as ever for a breakthrough personally in my life that I would possess the things that I see in the word of God and in the revivalists of old. I want it more than anything, beloved. And my challenge to you is get hungry now and stay hungry through a decade. You can do it. I promise you, I was weak, and, and I was, I, was uh, I don't know how to say it. I was, I was messed up when I was 20 years old. I had all kinds of addictions to pornography. I was a believer, but I had all kinds of problems in my life. But somewhere deep inside, God wounded me with his presence and made me hungry for more of him. And by his grace, I've continued to pursue. And, beloved, I would not exchange one moment of the agony of pursuit for any temporal pleasure. Oh, God, we need your presence. That's what I feel on the inside when I get to go to prayer. When I'm in our worship, I go, oh, God, I need your presence, God. That groan on the inside, I'm so thankful for the groan. I'm so thankful for the holy dissatisfaction. And if I do nothing else to you tonight by the power of the Holy Spirit, that he would somehow deep inside you stir up that same groan in you. That you'd go, you know, this other stuff really doesn't matter. I need God. The latest TV show, honestly, beloved, honestly, we, I know we've all done it. We've all accidentally binge watched like 20 hours of some wasteful TV show. We know we all, you got caught in the net, Netflix spider web of a binge watch TV show. But I'm just telling you, how would your life be different if you interceded for the same amount of time that you binge watched TV shows? How would our nations or our families be different? And I'm not challenging you to even do any more than that. Just calculate the amount of time you've watched whatever your favorite TV show is and just say, God, in this next year, give me a vision that instead of binge watching 30 hours of TV that I might pray 30 hours for my nation and my generation. I'm not saying that to guilt anybody. I'm just saying let's give honor to God, right, instead of giving honor to Hollywood with our time and our money and our attention. Amen. Amen. There's no condemnation. You can watch your favorite TV show. Just make sure that you live a life of intercession equal to your TV consumption. Because otherwise you're, you're lifting that thing up as an idol with your time. Amen. Like, I know you're right, but. Yeah, let that conviction work on us, Holy Spirit. So he filled the worshipers. It was the first time, but it wouldn't be the last time. And it's amazing, you know, the same group of people come back in Acts chapter 4, and Peter has been persecuted, and his, the disciples are being persecuted because the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. They lifted up a man who is lame from birth, and at the gate beautiful, they heal this paralyzed man. He goes in the temple courts worshiping and praising God, and they take this as an opportunity to preach. And 3,000 3,000 get saved, and then they get in, interrupted by temple security. 
Sometimes we get interrupted by mall security, but they got interrupted by temple security. <laughs> and they said, excuse me, could you come with us, sir? And uh, they get taken dr- drug between the sin, he- drug before the Sanhedrin, the leaders of their day. And they get threatened. Don't speak in this na- man's name anymore. And their lives get threatened. And they leave there and they go back into a prayer meeting. And I love this. They pray for what, more of what got them in trouble in the first place. And they begin to cry out and say, God, give us boldness that we would speak your word. And you stretch out your hand. Do signs and wonders in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Beloved, if you want to speak the word of God, if you want to be bold as an evangelist or witness, whether it's in the nations or to your family or in the streets of our city, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Whatever ministry endeavor that you do, the best preparation is not seminary, beloved. It's the prayer closet. And it's the prayer closet unto an outpouring of the Spirit's presence. If you have some dream, some aspiration in your heart of how God would use you, I can advise no better preparation than to get on your knees and cry out to God until you're filled. That's what I see in the book of Acts. When these men confront impossible situations, threats from governmental leaders, They're confronted with an entire nation that is in opposition to the Christ that they're preaching. They go back to Jesus in intercession and they say, pour out your spirit again, Lord. Stretch out your hand in signs and wonders. And I just wonder, you know, we pray for that. But is there a desperation for that? Is there a depth of of revelation of the greatness of our need for that? Do we realize that it's truly life or death? And that... Sometimes our lack of courage is causing us to keep from sharing those words of eternal life. Oh God, that you'd give us boldness. But how do we get boldness? We get filled. We get filled. So, you can turn it over, page two, and I'm landing. The Lord just really gave me some revelation from this story. In order to be filled... We have to be emptied of the things of the world. And we see Paul the Apostle on the road to Damascus. Jesus strikes him with light from heaven. And Paul goes, who are you, Lord? And Jesus says, I am Jesus, the one whom you're persecuting. Whoa, that is not probably what he was expecting as he's on his way to persecute Christians in Damascus. And he's literally blinded in that moment. And he gets taken, led by the hand, it says, into Damascus. And I'd never seen this before, but it says for three days he did not eat and he did not drink. Do you know what you are? If you, I don't know if you guys have ever done a fast like that where you don't eat and you don't drink. I've done a, a three-day fast where I didn't eat and I didn't drink. And, um, and that was maybe one of the hardest fasts I've ever done because your body starts to ache from dehydration after, what is it, uh, 86 hours or whatever? What's three days? 60? I can't do the math. 72. Chloe, you're good with the numbers there. Thank you. So after 72 hours of, of no hydration, your body begins to ache. You don't want to move. You just lay on the couch. Oh, that, that's what I did. I like, oh, you feel so empty. But I believe him not eating, him not drinking. And Jesus identifies this when he appears to Ananias. He appears to Ananias and he says, Paul is praying. This man is in a desperate and broken position. He's been blinded. He hasn't eaten or drunk anything in three days. And he's just crying out to God. Jesus says, Ananias, he's ready now. 
this one who is a murderer, go, lay hands on him, that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. What did Paul need to be emptied of? Probably his pride, his anger, his murderous rage, his self-righteousness, his offense, his lust, his covetousness, his jealousy. These are the things that over three days, Jesus has him in a place of a complete humiliation. He's emptying Paul that he might fill him with the Holy Spirit. And my question to you is if Jesus came to you today with a desire to empty you, what would he be emptying you of? What is it that needs to be purged out of your life so that you can actually be cleansed and prepared to receive the Holy Spirit? Now, it may not be, uh, it may not be three days without food and water. I think that's just a prophetic illustration of how Paul had to empty himself. He had to humble himself before God. Where is the points in which we need to embrace new depths of humility? Because it's in that place, if you're willing to embrace new depths of humility, new depths of emptiness, that God will begin to fill. Many of us are going, God, tear this down in my life. Free me from this. Free me from this. Free me from that. And, and our prayers, and God's response is, empty yourself of your pride. Empty yourself of your self-righteousness. Empty yourself of your dependence. Empty yourself of your materialism. Empty yourself of your anger. For many of us, we'd say, God, I don't know how. It's by getting, putting your face to the ground and saying, God, God, I see it and I can't get it. Help me, God. Help me. Let the blood of your son wash me. Cleanse me. Sanctify me. Take this from me, God. Wash me clean, God. Prepare me. Make me a temple, God. Make me a temple of your Holy Spirit. Beloved, that is what you are. So what areas of sin exist that are preventing you from being filled to the fullest extent with the Holy Spirit's presence and power? And worship team, you guys can come on up. I'm going to close with this point. Where do you need to cleanse yourself that you might be filled afresh? Because the Father wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.17, Paul says, Don't be unwise my own paraphrase don't be a fool he says but be wise and know what the will of god is not that you'd be drunk with wine which is dissipation but instead that you would be filled with the holy spirit and i think that paul's not just talking about alcohol he's talking about worldly pleasures he's going don't fill yourself with worldly pleasures that don't satisfy that leave your life a wreck whatever you might be addicted to don't fill yourself with those counterfeit pleasures. Instead, fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. And how do we do that? Acts 8.14. Philip goes to Samaria because of the persecution in Jerusalem. And it says they heard the word of God and they believed. But they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. It says, verse 16, he had not yet fallen upon any of them. But they had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I want you to get this point. Ephesians 1.13, it says that when we believed, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. So these people in Samaria who had believed and been baptized in the name of Jesus, they were sealed with the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen upon them. That dynamic of revival and infilling that was, they were experiencing in Jerusalem, it had not yet happened in Samaria, though many had been saved. And my question to you in this room is, perhaps you've encountered God in the past or you've had an experience of salvation, but that dimension of power, of infilling that I'm talking about, that dynamic of the greater gifts of the Holy Spirit, prophecy and healing and miracles, perhaps you haven't yet experienced that. 
Perhaps you've never had the Holy Spirit fall upon you in power. Or perhaps you have, but it was in your distant past. Or perhaps it was just last week, but you're hungry for more. Whatever your condition is, it says that John and Peter prayed for them that they would receive the Holy Spirit. He prayed for them that they would receive the Holy Spirit. And they laid hands upon them. And the power of the Holy Spirit was imparted to John and Peter as they prayed. And just as I read that passage today in prayer, I just felt like the Holy Spirit. He said, I want you to pray for the students at Forerunner Church. Just like John and Peter prayed for the believers in Samaria. And the power of God came upon them. And the Holy Spirit fell on some of them. And as John and Peter prayed for them and laid hands upon them, they experienced a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. So I feel like I have an instruction for the Lord, and I'll stay here and I'll lay hands on as many people as want to receive prayer, and we have ministry teams. But my question is, my desire to impart and to release to you, will you meet that desire with your hunger? Will you right now, in your heart of hearts, consecrate yourself to the Lord that you might receive a fresh infilling? Because I believe God wants to release grace to carry people through this season of fasting and prayer for breakthrough. I believe he wants to release a hunger that people can lay aside their media, lay aside entertainment, lay aside whatever it is, and not with a religious mentality, but with a desperation for more of God. And if you would say tonight, I want that. More than I want that, I need that. I need that in my life. I need the wrecking ball of the Holy Spirit to come and break down the walls and to break down my own expectations and to break down the things that I've had just to tear out of the things out of me that are unnecessary and unprofitable. And I need God to wreck me and then fill me. I need God to cleanse me, wash me, sanctify me, and fill me up and fall upon me. Who here wants that is my question. Who here would say, I'd give anything for that? Because I believe that if you can touch that place of desperation in your heart, God will meet you tonight. So I would encourage you, don't wait for your friend. Don't wait for anybody else. This altar is open, and God desires to meet you. So if you're hungry for him, come and encounter him. And you don't have to wait for me to pray for you. Don't wait for the worship team to sing your favorite song. Begin to go after God right now. Holy Spirit, we ask for your manifest hand upon people right now as they come. Lord, I pray addictions would break right now as they step foot in this altar. God, I pray right now, Lord, freedom from depression in Jesus' name. Freedom from hopelessness in Jesus' name. Freedom from cynicism and unbelief right now in Jesus' name. Freedom from dullness and addiction to media right now in Jesus' name. Freedom from unforgiveness and offense and bitterness right now in Jesus' name. Oh, God, send fire on this altar right now. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Come in this place, God. Just wait one second, Becca. Just wait one second. Just begin to pray all across this room right now. Let your voice be lifted to God right now. It's fine if it's a whisper, whatever it is, but start to pray right now. Start to express yourself to God. Don't let Becca be your your expression to God right now. You express yourself to God. If you're hungry enough to come forward, be hungry enough right now to make your voice heard before the throne. Begin to express yourself to God. Just wait a minute before you sing, Becca. Pray right now, beloved. Pray. Ask God for more. Let that dullness break off you right now. Begin to get fire in your spirit again. Wake up in Jesus' name. Wake up in Jesus' name. 
We prophesy beyond the walls of this building to a generation. Wake up in Jesus' name. Believe again in Jesus' name. Oh God, come. Oh God, come. Give the gift of the Holy Spirit right now. Oh God, come. Oh God, come. Oh God, come. Oh God, come. Release the gift of hunger, God. The spirit of prayer, God. Come in the spirit of prayer, God. Come in the spirit of prayer, God. God, release your fire, God. God, release your fire, God. God, we need more of you, God. God, we need more of you, God. God, we need more of you, God. If there's a place where you know you need to be emptied right now, begin to tell God, just empty this out, Lord. Just empty this out. Empty out the addiction. Empty out the pride. Empty out the self-righteousness, Lord. Empty out the bitterness, God. Empty out the anger, God. Empty it out, God. Empty it out of my life, God. Forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me, God. Wash it out of my life, God. Let me experience your mercy and your grace in this place, God. Right now, God. Right now, God. Wash it out of my life, God. Oh, God. Wash it out of my life, God. Oh, wash the demonic oppression out of my life, God. Wash it out of my life, God. Wash it out of my life, God. Make me clean. Make me holy as you're holy, God. Don't be drunk with the things of the world. Be drunk with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, God. More, God. More, God. More God. More God. Freedom in this altar right now, God. Freedom in this altar right now, God. Oh. Fire. Beloved, if you have a prayer language, just begin to pray in the Spirit. Begin to ask God for a fresh infilling. Begin to ask Him to fill you. Fill us, God.
God, give us hunger for breakthrough, Lord. Give the gift of hunger, God, right now. God, pour out your love, your presence. Come like a wind. Come like a glory. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and visit the hungry. Come and visit the hungry right now, Holy Spirit. Come and visit the hungry, Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask you to release life-changing encounters right now as people pray. Cleanse and fill each and every one in this altar. Each and every one in this room, cleanse and fill, God.
invite people to our service. We're going to dismiss our service. Those who feel like the Lord is moving in you, I just want to invite you to just remain in the altar longer, to tarry longer. If you want someone to pray for you, stay in the altar, and people will be coming around praying for you. I just want to invite you, if the Lord's touching you, just ask Him to take it deeper. Ask Him to minister it more powerfully to you. I believe He's imparting grace tonight for the next 30 days or so to be uh, more deep in the place of prayer than you've ever been before, to live in a greater place of being filled than you've ever been before. And if you feel released to go, that's fine. Feel released to go. But if, you're, if you are, uh, if the Lord is moving and you want His activity to increase and go deeper, I invite you, just spend a little time in the altar and talk to Him, encounter Him tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you have prophecy room appointments, those are open right now. The worship team will stay up here a few more minutes. But our service is officially dismissed for those who want to go.